Good morning, Four Oaks Church. Pastor Paul here. It's Wednesday, August 31st. Let me double check. Yep, means it's the last day of August. If you are watching, listening to this many moons after the fact, you're wondering why is the end of August a big deal around here? It's it's because we've all just been hot. We've been initiatives in the Hellfire Club, right? This summer, it has been brutally hot. Little Stranger Things reference there for you. And um, we're just glad that we're wrapping up August and getting on into the fall season. But here we are. It's a Wednesday morning. Welcome to Romans Rewind. So we left off yesterday talking about how we as believers should be thinking about assurance of faith. And, and the reason we're into this topic this week is that Paul says some very pointed things towards the church in Rome. And, he, and he's talking in Romans 11 about their attitude towards unbelieving Jews, ethnic Jews. And he, and he warns them not to be prideful, not to boast, not to lord it over um, the, the Jews because they're dependent upon the Jews in many ways, right? They This olive tree of, the, of God and um, this, this tree that he's growing in his kingdom um, they're a part of, um, in fact, they were there before the Gentiles were there. They, they are partakers in the divine blessings. And even though they've rejected their own Messiah and they are perishing, Paul makes it clear. Nonetheless, Paul warns the Gentile believers against boasting, against lording it over, against pride. And he uses that as sort of a, a launch into a just kind of a general posture he exhorts us to as believers um, that we need to have in our spiritual lives. And so let, let's read the little section we're interested in, Romans 11, verse 22. Note then the kindness and the severity of God, severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness, otherwise you too will be cut off. And we've been trying to camp out on that, try to understand how it is that we have assurance as believers, which we do according to Romans 8, ironclad, rock-solid assurance in Christ. You can't be unjustified. Then then what do we do make of these warnings? Why are they in Scripture? And, and again, going back to this idea that not all Israel is Israel, when you have the collective body of Christ gathered together, there are going to be those who who aren't truly Christian, aren't, tr aren't the true Israel, aren't spiritual Israel, and they might be deceived. They might be playing a game. They need to be exhorted. They need to be uh, warned, right? So they can run to Christ and and find refuge in him. And then we talked about this idea of why saying things like once saved, always saved um, is not always a helpful moniker because sometimes it's used as sort of a fallback by people who aren't, don't really have saving faith, but they look at salvation as something they punched a ticket for, prayed a prayer, walked an aisle. And even though that's true, you can't lose your salvation. Nonetheless, we need to think about these things more in terms of perseverance and that God sustains and perseveres um, his people um, in their saving faith through his supernatural grace. Now, I left off last time by by talking about another misconception that we often have about assurance of salvation. And it goes something like this. You know, Pastor Paul, um, Jesus um, is my Savior, absolutely. 
Um, I, I know that I have assurance. I prayed that prayer. Um, hasn't really had much to do with me in my, my life in terms of the way I live. And I, and I realize that Jesus um, also needs to be my Lord, and, and maybe one day he will. But right now, I just I haven't yielded lordship over to him in my life. And I want to talk a little bit more about that today, why that's not a helpful frame, why I think it's really, it can be very destructive spiritually and biblically. Turn, turn over in your Bibles to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And a number of years, well, first of all, let me, let me actually read the passage for you. And Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, and he's exhorting them against their fleshliness, their carnalness, the fact that in many areas of their life, they are not um, growing in Christ the way that God would call them to. So let me read 1 Corinthians 3.1. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? Now that word flesh, uh, people of the flesh or flesh, um, the old King James Version Translate that translates that as as carnal, and someone is carnal when they are a natural person, when they are natural, when they when they are have a natural mind. They're they're not spiritually oriented. They're oriented to the selfish desires of the flesh, and so that's one of the reasons the ESV translate it Sark's flesh or carnal. And some have read this passage and said, well, Paul is really talking about three kinds of people in 1 Corinthians 1 through 3. There are spiritual people, and those are people that whose life is yielded to the Spirit of God and His will in their life. Then there are non-Christians, okay, who don't have the Spirit, right? And so those are those two categories. We understand that. But then they posited there's a third category um, called a carnal Christian or a fleshly Christian. This is someone again, who has Jesus as a savior, but hasn't fully yielded their life to Jesus. They are Jesus. Jesus is not their Lord. They are what we would call a carnal Christian or a fleshly Christian. And I remember even growing up being presented these three diagrams, these three kinds of people and being asked, which one are you? Well, as someone in their adolescence who loved the idea of assurance, but, but did not like so much the idea of yielding my life in joyful submission to God and to Jesus and, and having him as function as Lord in my life, that third option looked awfully attractive because it essentially said, I can have Jesus as my savior, my life insurance, my ticket punched, my get out of jail free card, you get the idea, but I don't have to yield my life to him necessarily. I have assurance of salvation without really having to, to, to walk with him or for him to be my Lord. Now, I was always told, of course, you don't want to be that third person. You don't want to be the guy in the middle. You should be spiritual. And I never fully understood why if I was going to heaven. Well, in the middle of all this sort of teaching, carnal man teaching, uh, a man you might have heard of named John MacArthur wrote a book. It was a thunderclap into the middle of this discussion it was called The Gospel According to Jesus. 
And basically, MacArthur's intent was to sort of obliterate this teaching on carnal man and to say it's unbiblical, it's unwise, it gives people a false sense of assurance. There are only two people, kinds of people in the Bible, Christians and non-Christians. Now, what MacArthur would say, and I, I think this is right on, what 1 Corinthians 3 is talking about is not three kinds of people, it's talking about people, <laughs> Christians like us, who struggle um, in areas of their life to yield to the Lordship of Christ. And depending upon where you are in the sanctification journey, um, that can look a lot of different ways over a period of time. And there might be seasons when your life looks, quote unquote, more fleshly than spiritual. But, but, but nonetheless, because you're justified, you are being sanctified. You are being carried forward. You are changing, although sometimes it's three step forward and two steps back. And, and MacArthur made the point that you can't divide Christ. He can't be your, your, your Savior, but not your Lord. It all comes into one package. Um, and as Christians, of course, we are all fleshly in some way, all carnal in different areas of our life, but we are growing and sanctified. And so what carnal man teaching did is it gave a false assurance of faith. Um, it helped people capitulate to easy believism. And as a result, and I think a lot of people like myself walked around with a false sense of assurance, when in reality, the Bible spends much, much more time warning um, backslidden Christians or non-Christians than it does trying to give assurance to people who aren't walking with Christ that they really are going to heaven and it doesn't matter what they do. And, and again, I won't rehash that discussion. Go back and listen to yesterday, 1 Corinthians 6, to understand the nationship, relationship of faith and works. So, so where does that believe us? I mean, I think it really gives us a biblical framework to think about our own spiritual lives, right? That first of all, there's only two kinds of people. God is not going to be at the end of the age separating Christians and non-Christians and then carnal Christians. The, the Bible never speaks of that. Rather, the Bible envisions a, as Eugene Peterson would say, a long obedience in the same direction, a gradual sanctification throughout the course of our life that will never be completed in this life. We're never going to reach perfection, not even close. We're full of sin. Paul makes that clear in Romans 7. But nonetheless, um, there's going to be change. But taking biblical terms, like incarnal is a fine term, it's a biblical term, but redefining it um, can have catastrophic um, results and consequences, right? So again, you go down to FSU on game day, walk down fraternity or sorority row, and not, not to pick on the Greeks, okay? But nonetheless, and there's a whole group of people partying and living a life not in alignment with the gospel, but many of them, right, would probably say, but that's okay. I'm, I have, I have my get out of jail free card. I did that. I made that decision at seven. And if you talk to them about why they might want to be walking with the Lord, they may point you to the fact that, well, you know, when I get out of college and I've sown my wild oats and had my fun, th then I'll turn my life over. That's a precarious, precarious position to be in. This is where the warnings of Scripture um, come into play. Do not be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. 
you will be shown kindness if you continue in his kindness. You see where those warnings now, how they have teeth in terms of who they are aimed at. All right, so there we are for a Wednesday morning, August 31st. So tomorrow, we're going to say just a couple more things as we wrap up this discussion on assurance. And then I'm going to use Friday to point the way towards our last sermon in Romans 11, where we're talking about ethnic Israel. And I want to tee that up for us. But for now, we're done. I pray that you today will walk by the power of the Spirit and pray the same thing for me. Lord, we do now uh, entrust ourselves to you. And Father, we, we pray that our deep assurance would ultimately not come by looking inwardly, but looking to you and clinging to you, Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray.